Good morning. Good to see you. Are you having a good week so far? So I don't know. It just started like a couple hours ago. So you might as well make your mind up right now that it's going to be, right? All right. Well, I'm glad to see you. As you know, several of us were gone last week. We were on our latest missions endeavor, which is the, is different than anything we've ever done before. Uh, we are... We have joined with a church who is planting in Harlingen, Texas, which is about five to ten minutes from the border of Mexico. It's as far south as you can go without uh, leaving this country. And uh, it was an amazing, uh, amazing ministry trip. Uh, We had, over the last several months, out of that reach account that Brian just talked about, we had taken funds... And helped them turn a house into a church. And I'm hoping to have pictures for you for that before too long. But we had actually taken a a two-car garage and turned it into a sanctuary. And uh, taken a bedroom, turned it into a nursery. And took the the open area of the kitchen, uh, living room, that area. And turned it into a children's church. And what's so neat about it is the pastor and his wife are still living in that house. But they have taken the master bedroom and turned it into a seating, a sitting area, a living room. And it has a bathroom and then they've taken one of the other bedrooms. And so they have, they have given their home uh, in order to start this church. And it's an amazing thing. It is, um, they tell me that they conduct business there in the city council in Spanish and a lot of the churches there are in Spanish. And so Pastor Gino Landon had a vision to start an English-speaking church in that area. And so that is what he is in the process of doing. So uh, we, as I said, we had sent funds down to help them uh, remodel that house and get that in order. And then we took several of us uh, this last week, Thursday through Monday of last week, and we went down and took tools, resources, and we trained them on how to use them. So by the time we left that little group of folks, they now have a website. Uh, They know how to do e-giving. They know how to do the structurally. They know how to do the things that we have learned to do. And we went down and spent time. Pastor Gino cried on Sunday because he said, you guys didn't just bring us tools, but you showed us how to use them. And so it was, it was truly a blessed uh, ministry, and they wanted to thank you. In fact, they, here's what they're doing to thank you for helping them get started. They are doing fundraisers right now so that next summer the whole church can come here in person and thank you for what we're... Isn't that neat? Uh, to thank us for what we are doing for them. And they have asked to, to be, under, you know, be under our covering because they're, they're kind of out there all by themselves. And... And so we're, we're making a commitment to them to be able to help them and to train them and to, and to instruct them, to stay in contact with them. And I have a feeling that we'll be out there more, more and more. Uh, you, some of these days, maybe you'll get a chance to go out there and greet that, that church there. But you will get a chance to here, I'm sure, uh, if things go as they're hoping. Because they hope to come here, like I said, personally. And thank you for investing in them. Uh, it's a church right now of about probably 25 people. And uh, a little, the little sanctuary that they have, uh, they've got about 30 chairs in, in the sanctuary itself. So they could, they could, you know, they could fill those 30. And if they had, 
uh, 30 or 40 people in that little sanctuary. That means they would have 10 or 12 children. So by the time they end up going to two services in the house, they'll be running 100 or so. And then we'll be going to help them build another building or, or rent a facility or something to help, them, to help them as they move from the house to the next level. So uh, isn't that exciting to be a, to, for the Lord to allow us to be a part of things like that? Amen. It's all part of the vision that the Lord has given us for these days, which I believe are the end, the end days. Uh, and the Lord continues to give us the vision. He says that, that our church, uh, you sense his presence all the time. You hear words from the Holy Spirit here all the time. Continue to see people being saved and, and filled with the Spirit and baptized. All these things are happening here all the time. And the, the Lord is leading us now to saying, hey, let's get strong. Let's raise up leaders here and let's be able to send leaders to other places, to other churches. We get phone calls from pastors that are asking us if we know of people that we can that we could send them for staff positions. Just recently, we had one pastor that that called and and was asking if we had anybody that we could that, that we knew of that that we could refer to them for a ministry position. So we feel like the Lord is using our church to raise up leadership and to raise up churches. Uh, plants, whatever they might be, for us to come alongside of these other churches and to help them become strong, because it's a kingdom thing. It's not about it's not about us having uh, uh, bragging rights all over the country to say here's how many of us we are. It is uh, how can we use whatever influence the Lord gives us to invest in others who are trying to do what we're doing. Uh, the goal is not to see how many we can get in our church. The goal is to see how many we can get to heaven. Isn't that right? And wherever they, wherever they end up, that's awesome. But we know that the Lord is sending a bunch of them here. In fact, we, we are believing this year uh, that, that the Lord is going to send. And you say, where do you get this stuff? It's just, it's just the Lord impresses on my heart. But uh, we're believing for the 300. We believe that this year God's going to send 300 more people to our church. And you say, where are you going to put them? Well, that's why we're going to two services. Uh, in faith, we are we are doing that because we can't put them in here. You say, well, you could put several more in here today. Well, this is the middle of July, folks. Uh, come back here the first week of September and see if it's as easy to find a seat. Now, it will be this September, we think, because there'll be two services for you to do that. And so uh, then we're going to start filling up those two services. And when the, when both of those get full, you say, what are you going to do when, when two services get full? Start a third one. What are you going to do when three get full? We'll do a fourth one. What are you going to do when four gets full? We're going to build a building. <laughs> uh, three, three or four, I'm not sure how far I can hold out. I don't know if I can do four, but three, at least three. When we, we, we start filling up three, then we're going to start thinking about property somewhere and building a, building a different facility that can, can take care of all of us. But anyway, I appreciate all of you, and I, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I know we had a great week here last week because we were in contact with everybody. I know that you did not have as good a lunch last week as I had, though, because I went to La Playa, and I ate fried avocados filled with shrimp and chicken. And I know you didn't do that. And so, uh, you know, I am blessed. I am blessed. But we, we did. We had a good time. I want you to get your Bible turned to Acts chapter 2. Verse 46, I'm reading out a contemporary English version today. Acts 2, verse 46, and the first part of verse 47. Says that day after day they met together in the temple. And they broke bread together in different homes. And they shared their food happily and freely while praising God. 
day after day. That's consistency. We are on the fifth week of a series, a six-part series that will conclude next week, obviously. But what we've been doing for the last five weeks in preparation for going to two services is we're trying to allow the Holy Spirit to get us all on the same page, get us all uh, going the same direction. And is using this passage of Scripture to do so and showing us how, showing us how that the early church operated and how they functioned what was uh, the characteristics of that church. And we have been using that to examine ourselves in light of it, to see where we stand in light of these. I'm thankful to say that, praise the Lord, we're right on track so far. We've made it through four weeks to start in the fifth one, and so far we're right on track. But I want to lay out for you just very quickly what they were doing and what we are doing or what we're striving to do. The first week, we found out that the early church adhered to the command it was the command to go and share the gospel. That is the command that we all have. Once we're born again, then we are, we are commissioned. The purpose of our life at that point on is to bring as many people to Christ as we can. We can't save them. He saves them. But we, we present a gospel message, which is the good news. We tell them about how Jesus loves them. We live a life consistently in front of them. And that is our, that's our job, and then he saves them. So the command, number week, week one, was the command to go and share the gospel. Week two was the commitment and that was to study the word and pray. And many of you have been committing to a, a campaign of prayer for the last four weeks for where we're headed. And I, I want you to know I appreciate that. Continue to pray if you would. The enemy continues to fight. But that's all right because we, we continue to win. And so uh, you keep on praying. So there was the command. There was the commitment. And then the third thing was the confrontation. And that, that is where that the word confronts sin and demands repentance, but all in love. Amen. So we're going to love these people uh, because they're where we were and they're where we are without the grace of God. If God hasn't saved us and keep us that way, then we'd be right back where we were. So we need to confront sin and we need to, uh, to use the word to do that. But we do that in a loving way, not a judgmental way, a loving way. So we have the command, the commitment, the confrontation. And then last week, Pastor Brian talked to you about the commonality. And that is where that the church saw the need to unite and to sacrifice as a unit so today we're going to look at this fifth one, and this called the consistency. The command, the commitment, the confrontation, the commonality, the consistency. What caused these people to be uh, so consistent? When, when, when everyone on the outside was looking in on the church, and they were describing them as being consistent, what was it that they were talking about? Now the text today answers that question, because it lists for us the four ways that the early church was consistent. It says to us that day after day. Anybody here do anything day after day? What do you do day after day? We get up and you go to work. Most of y'all probably eat, eat two or three times a day, don't you? Anybody here not able to eat two or three times a day? Uh, we're more religious about our eating than our church. I, I'm religious about eating. I'm not religious about church. Church is relationship. Food is, re, is, is religion. So, uh, so there are things that we do after day. Whatever you do day after day becomes a habit, becomes a way you live your life. And somebody could say that you are consistent in that thing that you do. They would say about you, he or she gets up every day and they do this and they go to work and they come home and la, la, la. They are consistent. So the, that w this is what we are learning about the church in this passage of Scripture. Day after day, they consistently are committed to doing something. And that's what we're going to talk about. 
The first thing that it says in this text that they did day after day was this. It says they met together at church. Day after day, they met together at church. I, you know, I, I saw a statistic, and it was an old statistic, but I, just, but I haven't seen a new one, so I didn't know how to compare it. But this was a statistic from 1994. So it's 20 years old, 21 years old. But I, I, I tend to believe uh, that, that, that the statistic is probably not true anymore, but that in, instead that the, the facts are probably worse than they were in 1994. But the statistic went something like this. 48% of churchgoers attend church an average of once a month. That came from USA Today in 1994. 48% of churchgoers go to church one time a month. My question to you is, is one time a month enough to train your children how to serve God? Is one time a month Enough to be involved in corporate worship and the word. Is one time a month enough to show the lost that you love Jesus and that you're committed to giving up your life for him? The early church met together day after day. Now you said, did they do that every day? Well, there, there is actually uh, a tradition or there was a tradition among the church that, that they, the customary hours at prayer at the temple was 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I think that that's what we're being told in this passage, that they were very diligent about being committed to meeting together at the times the temple was open for prayer. So they were, they were diligent about attending what was happening at the church. Were they there every day? I, I don't know. I can't answer that. We're not here every day, although the way things are going, you're getting the opportunity to do so. I mean, uh, in August, there'll be a Thursday night service. There'll be a Friday night service. There'll be three Sunday morning services. There'll be uh, connect groups going throughout the whole week. And we don't ask you to get involved in all of those because if you got involved in all of that, that means you would not be spending any time with your family. And that is not what needs to happen. We're not asking you to participate in every single thing that we're going to do. But we present all of those things because somebody finds their place in one of those that they don't in another. In every one of our services, we have people that we don't see in the other ones. We have people that come here on Friday night that we don't see on Sunday morning. We have people that come here Sunday night to the venue currently right now that we don't see on Sunday morning. It, and that's the reason why we did those services was to reach more people. That's what we're all about is trying to reach further, reach out, reach more people. And so uh, this is what the, the, the church was doing in that day. They were constantly meeting at the temple, they were consistently gathering there together today or there each day or whenever that was in order to uh, make sure that the priorities were right in their life. You know, we, we, when Father's Day came around this year, if you remember, mothers, we preached to the moms. And I said, I'll get to the dads. And then Father's Day came around and the Holy Spirit led a different direction. And I didn't really get to talk to the dads. You remember that, moms? And you thought we let the dads off the hook? Well, let's get them today. I told you I would eventually. So let's get them today. Let's talk to the dads today because we talked to moms before. Let's talk to the dads today. Dad, it's your responsibility to see to it that you have your family in church. It's not mom's responsibility. I've heard some people say, well, my, our dad was very diligent when we were kids. He made sure we got up Sunday and went to church with mom. That ain't it. Once a month won't get it, Dad. Sending them with your wife is not going to do it. 
You may have to miss the race or the game or the fishing tournament. You may have to miss something. You might even have to record it and watch it when you get home. You might have to do something different. I don't know what to tell you. All I do know to say is this. It is much more important to the long-term value of your family, the spiritual condition of your house and your future, that you're in church than you be at something else on Sunday morning. Somebody say amen. I'm not against vacation. Take them. I like them myself. But there's a lot of people that look for every opportunity to stay home, to send somebody else. We'll go next week or maybe we won't. Maybe we will. That's not the kind of commitment that shows that you're part of the family of God. The dad who is the spiritual leader of his home, who loves Jesus with all of his heart, is going to get up every Sunday morning. He might not make it to work on Monday, but he'll be at church on Sunday. Huh? That's a different priority, isn't it? A lot of people say, you know, Sunday I'm staying home today to rest because i got to work all this week. You won't work this week if it wasn't for the Lord. You won't have a job to go to this week if it wasn't for the Lord. You won't have a paycheck. You need to honor the Lord with your first fruits of your time, which is in his house, and your talent, which is your service, and your treasures, which is your tithe. This is the way, Dad, that you lead your family. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of dads that have, have taken the approach of, well, we're going to go to church some. There's other things going to be priorities. I'm going to tell you, I'm going, I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. My kids are grown, but, but both of my kids were athletes, and they were both pretty good. And we, had to, we struggled with the whole issue of, you know, how, by the time, but it's so funny in our generation, by the time kids are three and four, people think their kids are going to be professional athletes. And so they say, well, we got, they, they're having baseball tournaments on the Sundays on the weekends. Seven, eight years old, they're pulling them out of church to go play in a baseball tournament. I'm telling you, that's not going to matter a thousand years from now. There are people who have walked down that road and sacrificed church in order for activities. And, and the majority, I'm telling you, the vast majority of them do not do not make it in the athletic world, even into high school sports, let alone college and then professional. So then they look back after the years and they say, well, the kids don't go to church anymore, but they've got their kids out at a soccer tournament this weekend. But that's the way we raised them. A thousand years from now, what's going to be more important? A hundred years from now, what's going to be more important? What are your kids going to say to you someday? When you're standing in the judgment seat, standing at the, at the judgment seat of Christ and you're receiving the rewards. The video of your life's being shown on a big screen. I can't say it for sure, but it sounds to me like that may be the way it happens. You're standing there with your family watching the big screen. You're like, ooh, all the wood, hay, and stubble's getting burned up. I'm kind of standing here naked right now in front of my family because I chose other things over my relationship with the Lord. I chose other things over my relationship with them. The most important thing you can do, Dad, is be the spiritual leader of your home. The most important thing you can do is to make sure that you're praying with your wife, your kids, that you have them in his house, that they are seeing a consistent model of what it looks like for a real man to lead his family. The early church was consistent. Show your children what it looks like to be disciplined and a genuine warrior for God. Number two, the scripture says that they, they fellowshiped in each other's house. They were, 
day to day, they were consistent about fellowshipping in each other's homes. We talked about fellowship a few weeks ago. This is not just getting together for dinner. Fellowship is getting involved in one another's lives in a good way, not in a gossip way, in a good way. A lot of folk don't mind getting involved in each other's lives so they can talk trash. I'm talking about getting involved in somebody's life so you can make a positive difference. I'm talking about, here we go again, Dad. How about this, Dad, if you would model this in front of your wife and your children to say, I am going to put my wife and my children first. There's going to be God, then my family, then my job. Somebody say amen. God, then my family, then my job. But then I am going to step out and model for my family what it looks like to be a hospitable Christian. I'm going to have time for my wife and my children. But I'm going to make time for somebody else too. I'm going to make time to get involved in somebody else's life too. My papa told me a story the other day. My grandpa's 94. He'd be here this morning except Virginia's having, she's down in her back. And he's having a hard time getting around. But he would, he, would been, he would have driven himself here this morning if she were able to be at church. He told me a story the other day about my grandpa. He said, son, my dad was a good man, but he was rough. He said his brother come down to the house there one day and he called him a bad name. And he turned around and hit him in the head with a hammer. Said he laid him out cold. He said, dad, you've killed him. He said, no, he'll come to directly. He said, sure enough, after a while, he got up and he took off running toward his house. But he said, my dad would have given you anything. He said, he, he heard about a family down the street. He came home one day and he said, son, take this, take this wheat down to the mill. Go out to the, to the smokehouse and, 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 get a, and get some bacon and get some ham. And he said, mom, I said, what are you doing with all that? And he said, I heard there's a family up here on the hill just moved here. Said they got here too late in the year to have a garden. And he said, they're hungry. They don't have anything. I heard about him. Said, we're going to take food down and feed them. And he got the kids involved and they loaded up the wagon. They took the food to the family. He said, boy, son, you never would have seen. He said, that family thought my dad was it in those parts. Because he got involved in their life. This is what fellowship is all about. We may not have smoke houses today. You might have to go out there and get a, and take any wheat down to the mill. But there is such a thing as you hear from the Holy Spirit when you're driving by a little family where you know there's a little single mama with three or four kids. She's living there by herself trying to make ends meet. And the Holy Spirit says, why don't you buy her some groceries? And you don't go down there by yourself. You take your kids with you. You buy groceries and you take your kids down there with you so they can see what a real man looks like trying to take care of his neighbors. Fellowship is, is about a family getting involved in the lives of other people. The reason why it's so important in our day and, in our day and time, we, we shy away from that. We have a hard time because we want to become reclusive. I struggle with that myself. I'm like, man, I love people. I, I like people as long as I don't have to be in the middle of them. You know, I like a lot of people as long as I'm in front of them, not in the middle of them. We have to, we fight against that though because we say, man, as soon as we get an opportunity, we just want to get off in a, in a dark corner somewhere where nobody can find us. But Jesus was constantly being followed around. And he was constantly being concerned and about the needs of other people. This is what fellowship is all about. It's what the early church was all about. They're saying we're going to get involved in the lives of the people around us. All these new people that are coming to know Christ. And they need us. They're babies. We've got to get involved in their life. We've got to bring them in. Disciple them. Love them. We may have to feed them. We may have to, we may have to pay their electric bill a time or two. 
We may have to pay their gas bill a time or two. We may have to help them find some tires for their car. I mean, they, they're coming from a different lifestyle. They don't know, they don't know, where, they don't know what, how to operate. They don't know what to do. We, they don't understand the stability structure that we have, having come from years and years and years of serving the Lord and Him having our feet on a solid rock. Till they get there, we may have to help them. These are the people we're asking God to send us. I'm not praying for 300 people to quit their churches and come to ours. I don't want that. I'm writing notes this week. I wrote a note to a lady who was here last week from another church, and she may be back again. I don't know, but, but I wrote a note to her, and she, she put on her card where she goes to church. And I wrote a note, and I said, thanks for attending our church. You have an awesome pastor. I know your pastor. I'm in hopes that she'll take that card back to her pastor because I want him to know. I'm not trying to get his people to come to our church. I'm asking God to send 300 people here that are lost. You know what this place is going to look like if we get 300 more of y'all in here? 300 more sinners like us? That God has changed and set free? How much fun that's going to be to have 300 new ones in here, 300 babies that need the word? that are soaking it up like a sponge, that are connecting to each other and learning how to do life right. That's what fellowship is. That's why I'm asking God for those people. I'm not asking him to send us 300 believers that have been saved for 25 years that are going to come to us and tell us how they did it at their other church. I'm asking him to send us 300 that don't know what church is supposed to look like, that are wanting to come in here and wanting to get their life straightened out. Let's fellowship in one another's life. Arnold Glasshow made a statement. He said, some folks make you feel at home. Others just make you wish you were. Let's not be those people. We need to be hospitable. Ministry has to take place now through the church. Did you know that, that statistically a church can only, have, can only grow um, where a pastor can effectively take care of a church uh, at a ratio of one to a hundred. I don't know if you knew that or not. But that's why a lot of churches are smaller. Uh, because you just can't, you just can't take care of 800 people by yourself. You want to, but you can't. And so the way that this thing works is God has not asked the pastors to be the ones that attend every function, every wedding, every funeral, every birthday party, every graduation. That's not the way it's supposed to work. The New Testament church works in hospitality this way, or hospitality this way. Hundreds of people become family to hundreds of people. And they get involved in each other's lives in groups of 20 and 30 because effectively that's all that you can... The, 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 the truth is you cannot... You cannot effectively be involved in more than 50 to 60 people's life anyway at one time. So if your church is over 50 or 60 and you don't break down into groups, then you can't effectively pastor and minister to the people anyway. So if you're going to do this thing right, it could be thousands and thousands of people that can gather for corporate worship and receive ministry outside of that through the care of these connect groups. That's why we're doing connect groups, folks. This is the, this is the, this is the list. Look at, look at all of the options that are listed. This whole book is full of options. Some of these are prayer groups. Some of these are discipleship groups as far as uh, in the word. Some of these are informational, instructional kind of groups. Some of them are just fun groups 
But everybody in our church needs to get involved in one of these groups because that's where you're going to connect. That's where you're going to have those uh, friendships and those bonds and those connections so that when something happens in your life, you won't feel frustrated by calling and getting an answering machine. But you could call that leader of that group and immediately 20 people. It was so neat down at Pastor Gino's church last week. I said, it's a church of 25 people. One lady was sick. They shut the whole thing down. They shut the whole thing down and said, we got to pray for Sister Connie. It's a small group. You can do that in that setting. The larger we get, the smaller we have to get in order to get bigger. Does that make sense? And so you have to take the initiative to be that person that says, I'll lead one of those groups. I'll be a connect group leader. I'll take it on myself to love the people in my group and take care of them, see what's going on, and make sure that we stay in contact. We're praying for one another. This is how fellowship takes place. Can you imagine in the New Testament church what would have happened to the apostles if they had not come to the, uh, to the idea that they needed deacons? Because up until that point, the apostles were trying to do the ministry of the church and they realized after 3,000 got saved on one day that they could not do this anymore. And they said, we have got to get more people involved in this ministry. We've got to have somebody in order to help us do this ministry. That's you. You're that person. You say, well, I, I, I kind of just like coming here once in a while. Nobody knows me. I, I kind of like being in a crowd. I'm telling you, that's nice. Enjoy it for a couple of weeks and then shake it off and come to work. Somebody say amen. Fellowship. This is what they did. Number three, they shared their food generously. Pastor Brian talked about this one last week. I'm not going to go into it deeply, but it was food. It was shelter. It was other necessities. And he told you why last week. But the basic line was they were looking out for one another. They weren't just referring people to Life Source or sending them to Salvation Army or giving them the phone number to the church. But they were sharing with these people out of their own substance. God may be asking you to do the same thing. I know Pastor Brian talked about reach a minute ago. Several of us have, have committed to that. In fact, today, I'm not letting the left hand know what the right hand gives, but above my tithe, I gave toward reach again today, and, it, and I'm already done with my pledge, but I just feel like it's something that I want to continue to do because I saw the benefit of being a part of what that produced, $225,000 worth of renovations this year that we didn't pay a dime of interest for by having to borrow it. It was, it was already amongst us. And nobody that got involved is worse off. We're all blessed. That's why we're all saying, I'm going to keep going. Because we're blessed better than we were before. We're going to keep on giving. There's an old German motto that goes like this. What I spent, I had. What I saved, I lost. But what I gave, I have. Be generous. God will bless you for being generous. Number four. They praised God with their very lives. This means that the way that they lived their lives brought glory to the Lord. What they did, how they did it, was all just a means to point people to Jesus. They were living intentional lives. You ever known anybody like that? Have you ever known anybody that just praised God with the way they live? I'm not just talking about always saying it, although a lot of them do, but, and there's nothing wrong with that but of people who just lived their lives for Jesus and the way they lived, they were, you could see that they, they just praised God by their living. D.L. Moody told a story years ago. He said there was a man converted here. He was just full of praise. 
He was living in the light all the time. He, we may be in the darkness, but he was always in the light, he said. And he used to preface everything he said in the meeting with praise God. Well, one night he came to the meeting with his finger all bound up. He'd cut it and cut it really bad, too. And I wondered how he was going to praise God for this. But he got up and he said, I have cut my finger, but praise God, I didn't cut it off. And so if things go against you, just think they might be a good deal worse. That's what D.L. Moody said. Praise God. We got to learn to praise God consistently. Praise him for all things. Look for opportunities to praise God. Do you do that? When you eat, praise God. That's what I do. When you pray over your food, that's what you're doing. Praise God. When you wake up, praise God. I just woke up. A lot of people won't do that tomorrow morning. Did you know that? There'll be a lot of people going to go to bed tonight and they're not going to wake up tomorrow morning. They're going to wake up someplace else. Heaven or hell, but they won't wake up where they started. So if you wake up tomorrow morning, remember what I said. Praise God. I'm back. That's what you do. The devil hates you. You've been working against the devil. When you wake up in the morning, praise God, I'm here. I'm back. And the devil's like, ah. Ah. That's the way we want to live our lives. The devil just hates to see us wake up. Praise God when you come to church. There's a lot of people didn't get to go to church this morning. A lot of our brothers and sisters in other countries didn't get to go to church this morning. They snuck around. They hid around. They went all over the place trying to, but it got broken up because it was illegal for them to praise the same Jesus that you've been praising this morning. So when you get to go to church, don't say, oh, it's Sunday. You get up and you say, thank God it's Sunday. I love Sunday. I love coming to his house. I love the worship. I love to be in his presence. Praise God when you get paid. Anybody here ever not gotten paid? I, I, I tell you what, I took a job one time when I was about 16, shoveling manure out of the back of a horse trailer. That's a good job right there in the summer. The guy said, I need this horse. He was, he was putting in a, a, an auto parts store in town, and, and he had a bunch of shelving, and he put it in the back of a horse trailer, but he didn't clean it out first. So he's looking for a couple of young men after school that would come over there and dig all that mess out of that trailer. And he said he was going to pay $20. He said, I wouldn't have done it for $20. Well, $20 in 1981 was a lot of money. If you didn't have any. Back then I put $5 in my gas tank and drove my car all week long. And still had $2 in my wallet, Jerry. So this guy said, he's going to give us $20 to move some shelving out of some horse manure. I'm like, I'm there. Going to take a couple hours, he said. So we worked one day. Then we came back the next day. Yeah. I'm thinking, man, this just dropped. I mean, I, if he pays us 20 bucks, I'm now I'm down to like 25 cents an hour or 50 cents an hour. What is that? And when we got finished, he said, good job, fellas. And he handed us $20. Split that, boys. So for two days, wading through manure, $10. Now, had I known then... Before, I wouldn't have took the job, even for $10, for that many hours. But I did get paid. And when it was done, I had $10 more than I had before. And some of you may not like your job, but you're getting a paycheck. 
Until the Lord gives you something else, that's where you need to be and be faithful, amen? You need to be the best person at your job. If you want to get promoted to something else, be good at what you're doing. You're not going to get promoted until you can show you can be faithful where you're at. And when they give you that paycheck, praise God. Because you got one. Somebody else didn't get one this week. Somebody else don't know where their next one's coming from. Praise God. You got paid. When you get healed, praise God. How about this one? When everything in your life stinks, praise God. What? Here's what we know about this life. Any of you that have been here very long, you know it changes. It could be real good today, be real bad tomorrow, somewhere in between the next day. It can do all kinds of things. If it's real bad right now, hang on, it will get better. I promise you, it changes. If you're in one of those places where everything is really, really bad today and you just wish it was over, hang on, tomorrow's going to be different. I didn't say better, but it is going to change. Bad can change too, good can change. I'm not just from bad to good, bad to bad. This kind of bad to another kind of bad, but it's change. Anybody living there? Anybody living there right now? Bad, but it is a different bad. Praise God, it's a different bad than yesterday. Yesterday's bad was really bad. This bad stinks, but it's not as bad as that. Praise God. Amen. Amen? And then when it's good, praise God. But you have to make a conscious choice. Because here's why. God is good and his mercy endures forever. And no matter what is going on in your life, it really doesn't make any difference. Because if he's in your heart, it just gets better. I tell Dab that. I say, you know what? If someday the Lord lets the devil kill me, I'll wake up in a better place. It's not gonna, nothing's going to get worse for me. It's just going to get better. I'm looking forward to what is going to happen on down the road. So these people were consistent. And they set an example for their whole city. Nobody could ignore the good that was happening because of these believers in their midst. Do you understand that? That these were un, there were many unbelievers in that area. And they were being blessed by the Christians in their area. This world, this city is the only blessing that's on this city. Is because of the Christians that are in it. Who God is working through. When you're blessed then everybody around you gets blessed, whether they deserve to or not. And in the early church, these people were blessed. And because they were blessed, their whole known world was being blessed. And all of a sudden, they had the favor. You'll see that. We'll get to it next week. But all of a sudden, the church had the favor in the community. Why? Because the people may not like what they were up to, may not agree with it, may not want to join it, but they can't refute the fact that hanging around with these Christians, good things come to them because of the blessings of God. Who wouldn't want to join this team? Let's take our lead from their example. Let's be consistent in, in all these ways and more. We're, we're, our goal right now, folks, we're, we are going to, to present a, a unified, purposeful, consistent model for our city and for our world here at Trinity Fellowship. And we've got a plan for doing that. We've got a plan for doing that. When you leave here today, you get to go out there and, and line up to sign up for two things. And I would admonish you to do it. When you walk out those doors to get today, walk out there and sign up for a connect group. And then step over to the other one and sign up to volunteer. Because when we go to two services, we need more help. So I need you to get in a group. You need to get in a group. That's for you. 
The group's not for me. You get in a group for you because that's where you're going to make a connection. That's where you're going to get your life. That's where you're going to have fun. That's where, okay? But then you sign up because out of what God's going to bless you with, now you need to give. And we need you. So go sign up those two places. What else do we need to do, Pastor? Stay involved, continue to tithe, continue to give to reach. Keep doing that because you see what's going on with that. In August, we're going to 915 and 1115. Be thinking about which one of those services you're going to come to. And we've even asked some of you to come to both. You say, why why in the world would I want to come to both services? I didn't say you'd want to. I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a choice of hearing myself preach twice in one day, I wouldn't do it. It's all, I don't know how I'm going to do it when, we, when I start. i got to preach both of those guys. I'm going to preach in both those services. i got to be up here and hear this thing twice. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. i still got to be here. I'm going to endure it one way or another. You say, why in the world would I want to come and listen to you do this twice? It's not about what you want. It's about seeding this house so that all those 300 that are coming, when they walk in, they walk into the same kind of atmosphere we have right now. Now, I'm going to tell you what, if this room, you know, this is a 504 or 506 seat auditorium. And if you put 125 people in here, it's, you know, it's okay, but it's not near like what it is when there's 350. Amen. And so to create that excitement, to create that enthusiasm for them to, to, for them to walk into an atmosphere that you're used to walking into, to create that atmosphere, there need to be bodies in these seats. So we're asking you to make a commitment. Come to church for six months, twice. Come to both services. And some of you, we want you to, if you can't, you say, I can only come to one. Okay, then come to one but work. And we're asking some, come to work one and come stay for the other. If the thing, if the thing that you do allows you to work and go to church, then do it. Like doors or, or ushers or whatever. But if the thing that you do re- requires you to be out of the service, like in the parking lot, then come to church and serve and then stay for, the another, for another service. But we don't want anybody just coming to church and working and not going to church. There's no reason for that anymore. You have an option now. You can come to work and you can come to church, do both the same day. You say, well, man, it's going to eat up a lot of time. Not really. Not really. If we start, if that service starts at 9.15 and the second one's over by like 12.30, that's not a whole lot different than what you're doing now. Normally, we, you know, we normally get done here about 11.30 or a little after. By the time we leave, it's noon, 12.30. You'll be leaving at 12.30 anyway then or close to it. So that's what we're asking you to do. There's a couple things that I'm going to ask of you right now just before we leave. I'm going to ask our ushers if they would. We have a couple of cards that we want to give you. The first card that we want to give you, we want to put this in your hand. And we don't, we're not asking you to sign your name. We don't, we don't need to know who we're talking to. But we simply are trying to get an idea about how the break is going to be. How many people are going to come at 9.15? How many people are going to come at 11.15? How many people are going to come to both? We're just trying to kind of get an idea about how to be prepared in the sanctuary for these services two weeks from today. So what I'm going to ask them to do, if you would, uh, guys, pass those out. Make sure everybody gets one. And all we're asking you to do as an individual is mark on there what you're going to do. Now you say, well, we're not sure yet. We, well, just whatever is a gut feeling of what you think you're going to do, uh, we're not holding you to it. It's not a contract. It's not a commitment. But we're simply trying to do a survey to get an idea about where you're probably going to, where you're going to be. Are you going to be your first service, second service, or both services? We just kind of need to have an idea about what's going to be going on there. I appreciate your patience. And I'm gonna, I promise you something. The Lord's laid this on our heart. So if you, if you hang around here, you're going to see amazing things. 
Let me tell you something that, past, that I told Pastor Gino. When we left Harlingen, Texas the other day, we were standing in the airport with Pastor Gino, and I looked at him, and, and what I said to him caused his whole countenance to change. He had a big smile on his face, and I said, Pastor, you will never get where you're trying to get. I said, your church will never get to where you're trying to get. Why, Pastor? And I said, because as soon as you get there, you've got to go somewhere else. You will constantly, when you think you've arrived at this spot, the Lord is going to increase your vision and you're going to increase and stretch out the tent pegs. You're never going to be content with what you think would make you content today. The one thing you can count on in a real New Testament church is this, change. If the place you go to hasn't changed in 25 years and you like it, that means you like death. Anything that is living and growing is constantly changing. If not, then why is it that you constantly having to get your kids new shoes? Because they grow. A living organism that is healthy grows. And when it grows, it requires change. You have to compensate for that. Next week, we're going to talk about the compensation. Compensation. 